morning's scripture is uh, Acts chapter 6, starting in verse 1. It says, Now in those days uh, when the disciples' numbers were increasing, a complaint from the Hellenistic Jews was made against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said to them, It is not right that we should give up preaching of the word of God to serve these tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we can appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and six other guys that you can read there, and a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and the great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Let's pray and then you can be seated. Thanks God so much for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to share the Word of God this morning. I pray that it would impact our lives and change us uh, closer to your glory, God, and that we would make decisions that would glorify you this morning. In your name I pray. Amen. Yeah, so I've studied this passage for a while now and thought I had the names down and this, yeah, so first service was a disaster. I'll save you that disaster. Second service, that's what that was. So, so um, good morning. My name is John. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm just happy to be here this morning and uh, share the word with you guys this morning. Uh, continue our series in the book of Acts on the thriving church. And we're in Acts chapter 6 this morning, um, and we... Uh, just very excited about what's what's gonna uh, what we can learn from this passage this morning. So here uh, we find ourselves that the the church of God is growing. Uh, the number of disciples is increasing greatly, right? The, uh, and and there comes a complaint, and everybody here says, "Praise the Lord!" You know, like this is real. Like this is real life that we're experiencing and reading about here in the book of Acts, right? It's not fairy tale life. Uh, there are real problems that exist, um, even in the, the very first church that we, that we read about, right? Everybody is, uh, is a little bit relieved that we are in good company when it comes to that there are problems between people, um, even in a church. And so... Uh, but we're not going to just leave it there, if that's okay. We're going to read about how there was a solution uh, given and that, uh, and that in the end it was good and, and the church continued to grow um, even further because of their attention to this problem. Uh, so here we have uh, these Hellenistic Jews are complaining against these Hebrew Jews these Jerusalem-living Palestinian Jews. Uh, so the church right now is still made up of uh, largely uh, Jewish people, God's original chosen people from 
from the nation of Israel. Uh, that group of people had been originally in Jerusalem itself. Through the course of history, they've been kind of spread out. And so there's kind of now a mixed group of believers, a mixed group of Jews even, that have met, are beginning to meet here as a church. And so you have this group that is outside of Jerusalem, these Hellenistic Jews or Greek Jews uh, from around the area that feel as though their widows uh, are being neglected in, in a cultural uh, distribution of funds or money or, or food or whatever, clothing, help, in other words, they're being neglected in that, in that help. And so these guys, these Hellenistic Jews, uh, think that this is very important, and it sounds important, it objectively is, a, is important, right? They're, they're trying to take care of people, they're trying to take care of widows, and they feel that theirs are being neglected in the moment. And so they bring this issue, this problem, to the apostles, the guys that have been to this point doing pretty amazing things, right? They're, they're healing people. They're doing just absolutely fantastic things. They are, uh, they are preaching the Word of God, right, to these people and, uh, and bringing uh, really good messages and, and they seem to be the people that could help them solve this great big issue, right? And... Of course, they do, right? The apostles hear them. They see that this issue is real and, and a big deal, and it's important, and they solve the problem. And here we're going to see how God wants His church to stay on mission. God wants His church to stay on its mission. And the apostles are going to give us an example Three examples of how we can do that. How we can do that. How we can stay on our mission. The first one here, we, f- we see uh, that the apostles in verse 2, it says, The twelve summoned the whole congregation together of disciples and said, It is not desirable, not good, not right for us to neglect the Word of God in order to serve tables or serve in this financial matter with your widows. Therefore, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we can put in charge of this task. Here, uh, in verse 2, we find our first uh, way in which we can stay on mission. At my house, uh, I'm, I'm not much of a... I, I just don't like to mow the lawn haven't liked to mow the lawn and and I feel that it's important that my that my boys learn to do do such a task right and so because I don't really like to do it and because I work during the day and I I've done my stuff I have delegated that responsibility to my boys right so here we have the the apostles with the with an example if you don't like to do something, delegate it. That's the first sarcasm. Sarcasm, just in case you can't read that. I was completely kidding. 
Sorry, that was a really long, drawn-out, sarcastic point. So some of you may get lost. Everybody from the first service, that's the only thing that they heard. So I thought about not even doing it this service, but you got it anyway. So uh, no, that is not how we read this passage. That's not how we look at this passage. That it's something that they didn't want to do or they thought that they were that was beneath them and so therefore they delegated it out to somebody else. The first real example of how God wants us to stay on mission is He wants us to solve problems without attacking people. The apostles here, uh, to stay on mission, to stay within what they feel they are led to do and called to do, attack a problem, solve a problem, and not attack the people. Okay? A really good like counseling thing. Uh, Andy, Andy, Pastor Andy, uh, loves that phrase: attack problems and not people. Um, mainly because it keeps his his uh, nice carpet from being bloodied when they have the counseling sessions in there. But the reality is that it is a really, really good principle for us to follow when we're looking at the world around us and the and the the problems of disunity that we might have with somebody else. It's really, really easy, very easy for us to pick on the kids in this instance, right? So, I have six kids, and uh, occasionally, occasionally, uh, one of them will hit the other, right? And then, and then the other one will hit the other one back, right? And their names are anonymous here because they all have done it, right? So just pick one example, I guess. But you ask them, right? And you sit down and you say, why did you hit your brother? Why did you do that? And the answer usually is, he hit me first, right? As if they're like, arms are linked together with some sort of cable system so that when one person gets hit, the other arm goes forward and hits, right? Like, that's the reason, right? Because it's, it has to be that way. Well, that's not really, truly the case. That's not truly the case. The problem is usually a, uh, is a personal sin issue, right? And here, the, the apostles saw that. They saw that and saw, to, saw it fit to get to the root problem of the issue as opposed to just attacking the people that came to try to distract them, right? And try and uh, push them off of their mission, right? Because this is a really good thing, of course, right? They're, they have a good thing that they're trying to do, but it, it has the potential to start disunity, right? There's complaining already beginning, and so... Uh, they attack this problem, the root cause of the problem, and not just the people. And they don't, they don't just push them off and say, you know, um, you're, you're just a bunch of sinners, go away, figure it out for yourself, or whatever. They come up with a, a solution, a really good solution. And they don't just neglect the responsibility in this solution either. Right, we look at uh, verse three. 
Um, I'm sorry, verse, yeah, verse 3. It says, Therefore, brethren, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, that we may appoint to put in charge of this matter. They're, they're, they're not just saying, I don't want to do this, I don't want to deal with this, go figure it out. They attack the problem in such a way that they're going to still take responsibility for the outcome, for the solution. So I think that that, that is a really good uh, principle for us to take from this passage. And, and, and the fact that they also thought the matter was important enough right, to lay their hands over them um, in the end to, to uh, pray over them and, and commission them to this, to this new ministry. So we solve problems by attacking the actual problem, the root cause, and not people. Secondly, uh, we come to another principle that God wants us to define and make decisions based on spiritual things and not just human perspective. Based on spiritual things. We can see that in the criteria that they the apostles give, right, in selecting these men. It says, Therefore, brethren, select from among you seven men of good reputation and full of the Spirit and of wisdom. This matter, you know, that, that they're talking about, this distributing wealth to the, distributing uh, financial things or help to the widows, does appear, does sound like it was, it's, it's probably mostly an administrative task or a practical task, right? Somebody that, if they have good organizational skills, can follow a calendar, can slice a pie equally, those guys should be the guys to do it, right? Maybe, have, maybe a guy that has gone to school to be a finance, you know, has finance in his major or um, you know, uh, I don't know, whatever, is able to you know, distribute things equally. Maybe has a math background, right? Those are the guys that you would want in charge of it. But the apostles give us a different criteria. They tell us to, they tell them to pick out from among them people of good reputation, full of the spirit and of wisdom in order to put over this matter and I think that this is a really good principle for us as we look um, at staying on mission as a church of not separating our lives and our church lives especially into spiritual and vocational. Right, All of our life, everything that we do has spiritual ramifications. Paul, another apostle, later on in Scripture, will say, do all things for the glory of God. It's just another way of, of looking at it uh, from the perspective that we're not just, we don't separate our lives into vocational and spiritual. Even the simplest mundane or practical things in our life have spiritual ramifications and we should, uh, we should look at them that way. An old man... Uh, an old wise man once said, It is our choices, Harry, 
that show us who we truly are far more than our, respons- our abilities. Almost butchered it. Some of you looked up, maybe know where that comes from. It is from Harry Potter, that is Dumbledore, that tells Harry at the end of one of the books, he says that it's not our, it's more of our, uh, our uh, character or our choices that show us who we are, not our abilities. Not our abilities, not our human aspect. If you don't want Dumbledore, I'll give you Jesus instead. How's that? You can look at Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. Jesus says something very similar. That out of, the, out of our heart, out of the abundance of our heart, our body, our, our being acts or says or speaks. Right? It's out of the heart that our actions come. So we can go back to the kid example. Well, why did you, why did you punch your brother? Why did you hit your brother? It's not because you're, you're attached in some way that that was, that was a forced reaction, a, just, a, just an, uh, like, like you're an animal or something reacting. It was because it was something that you wanted in your heart greater than unity. And so you did that to try to get it. So we shouldn't just look at uh, things that we do in our church, things that we do even in our lives as, as our abilities, our, our vocational things. This is everything that we do is a spiritual matter. And the apostles thought that that was important for them to pick out men of full of the Spirit and of wisdom that they would put, be able to put in charge of this task, and it was that was important to them. Lastly, thirdly, God, uh, in order to stay on mission, the, uh, following the apostles' example, we don't just uh, we don't just attack problems, solve problems instead of pe- instead of attacking people. Uh, we don't just uh, um, we define ourselves on, on a spiritual level, right? And we define these, these issues on spiritual levels, not just on human abilities. But God also wants us to resist a consumer mentality and get involved with people. The apostles were very wise in what they, what they did, right? They said that it is not good for us, it is not right for us, it is not correct of us, to neglect the Word of God in order to do this matter. Yet this matter was so important that they told them that they should, they should uh, select certain criteria of guys, right? Very important criteria of people to, pr- to put over the matter. They laid hands on them, right, in the end, and they thought it was that important that they would commission them by praying over them and laying hands on them. They thought it was that important that uh, to get other people involved, right? In order to stay on their mission. It's not that this thing that they were going to be distracted by, moved over to helping with the widows, was going to be a bad thing. It would have been a really good thing for the, the apostles to take care of that and to do it. Could they have done it? Absolutely, they could have done it. But they 
chose not to. They chose to get more people involved. And I would just encourage you to follow that example as well when you think about coming to uh, Living Waters and, and getting involved with other people's lives, even outside of these four walls, right? We do, we do ministry during the week in small group and, uh, and calling ministries and all sorts of things that we do outside of these four walls that are getting involved with people and not just being a consumer. What do I mean by consumer? Well, two weeks ago, my family and I went on a vacation uh, we went out to the Cincinnati area on the way to Virginia for a, a cousin of mine's wedding. And we stopped in the Cincinnati area um, for, for a couple things. One of them was the, the Ark Encounter. It's actually in Kentucky, but it's really, really close to Cincinnati. So we go to this Ark Museum, which is really cool, by the way. Just a small plug for the the Creation Museum folks there. Um, the Ark is amazing. It's very cool. Tons and tons of history and really good information from a biblical perspective on creation in the world and the flood and how things look today, about how you know the human race in general, about dinosaurs, um, all sorts of things. It's just packed, packed with information. And it was, it was really cool. It was great. We ordered tickets, right, to go to this museum. And we drive there, we get in the parking lot, we go to the ticket window, we show them our tickets, they let us through, and we get on a bus. And I don't have to drive the bus. I didn't have to check my own ticket, right? I didn't have to, like, get behind the counter and do that. When we went to lunch, we went to lunch, we ordered at a window, and the person behind the window made my sandwich. I didn't have to go. I, I didn't have to go around the back and then go and make my own sandwich. Right? They handed it to me. That's the that's consumer mentality, right? Where you don't have to do the stuff, right? You just, I mean, granted, we had to buy it, of course. Like we had to purchase it, and then of course, like self checkouts at at all of these places that we go to today kind of blurs the lines of consumer versus I have to work when I go grocery shopping, right? Like it's kind of, the lines are being more and more and more blurred uh, as the days go. But that's what I mean by consumer mentality, right? Being able to just take things in. You don't have to put in the effort. You didn't have to do the work, right? I didn't have to build the ark. In order to see it, I didn't have to go and like, you know, put screws into wood and nails into wood and stuff like that, I was able to just go and, and enjoy it and take it in. The apostles are saying that that is not the direction that the church should go. In order to stay on mission on what God wants them to do, more people need to get involved and get involved in other people's lives. And so they encourage them to uh, find Find people with certain criteria and put them in that they that the apostles would then put in charge of the ministry and spread out the work of the ministry among more than just themselves and creating a, a vibrant and involved church. 
where they can work together. So, what does this mean for us today? Well, I think about our mission statement, right? As Living Waters Fellowship. We're here to spread a passion for the glory of God, right? Through the Gospel of Jesus Christ to every tongue, tribe, and nation. I don't know why we chose a tongue twister for, for the end there. But to every people group, right? To That's the idea. That's what we're supposed to do as a church. And in order to stay on that mission, God wants us to solve problems and not attack people, to, stay, to continue to, in unity. God wants us to define our lives and, and the things that we do in church and even in our personal lives, right? On spiritual criteria and not on human criteria or abilities. And finally, God wants us to resist that consumer mentality that we see so prevalent in our society of being able to just sit back and take in what we can take in and it's important to me and so I, I just want to get what I can get out of whatever I'm getting there, you know, going to. We need to get involved, getting involved in the nursery and VBS and uh, calling ministry and small group and more than just attending, really getting involved in people's lives. Sounds a lot like a lot of our, our um, um, yes, our purpose, purpose statement, but also our cultural values, right? That Jesus gets first place, that we're building a family atmosphere, biblical family atmosphere, that we're celebrating the gospel, that we have humble confidence in God's word, that we're able to just, you know, grab hold of it, and then also sharing in lives and possessions with one another, knowing that ultimately God owns everything. I just want you to think about that this week as we close, as we think about our lives and where we're going from here um, this morning, as we're getting involved in, in Living Waters Fellowship. Are we doing those things? Are we creating unity by looking for root causes of problems and, and trying to solve them with people or are we just attacking people? Are we resisting a consumer mentality and getting involved with people and getting real with people in, in, in their lives? Or are we just here to try and get what we can out of, out of church and what feeds me? And are we defining our life as a whole um, based on spiritual criteria? And even though even the simplest and seemingly mundane right, decisions that we're making, are we considering the spiritual ramifications or are we just relying on our human abilities? Close in a word of prayer and then have the worship team come up. And close us. Thanks, God, so much for this day. God, I thank you for the time that we can spend in the Word. I thank you for the example of the apostles here as they divvy out and distribute out the work of the ministry. God, it's an, it's an awesome example of how we can solve problems in our own lives 
We can solve problems in our church. God, it's also a great example of what we should be looking at our lives and and how we should be examining our lives and how we should be looking at even the simplest and mundane tasks that we do. And it's also a good reminder of how we need to be getting involved and not just sitting on the sidelines and not just consuming all the time, God, in our culture and in our church. That we should be getting involved in, in real ministry with people. God, you've given us a great example from this scripture and I pray that we would apply it to our lives, apply it to my life, God, right now. In your name I pray. Amen.